friends, real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. It is Wednesday, April the 4th, already 2018. We're coming to you live and direct from WODU on the beautiful campus of Oldham University. I'm in the studio with my beautiful ladies. How are you doing, Caprice? I am doing well. Miss Caprice Elmore. Yes. Also, Miss Paula B. Hey. How are you doing, Miss Jada Carson? Hello, how are you doing? How are you doing? We have Miss Nikki. Nikki, she's present today. How are you, Nikki? And then we are, we're so blessed to be in the studio today with the founders of Men's Fashion Week Virginia. We have Mr. Ron Cook and Mr. Mario Daughtry. How are you? We're good. Good. We're good. 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 We're good, Will. How's everybody week? I know you don't live here anymore, right? You're in D.C. You left us. I left you, but, you know, uh, I'm just a a border away. Uh That's all. Washington, you know, Washington is the DMV. The DMV. Oh, you're right. You're right. we're still in the mix, still in the mix. So we still, we still can claim you, right? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. I claim you all. Thank you. Virginia is for lovers of style. Yes. You always lovers say that. Of I like style. that. Yes. So we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about um, Men's Fashion Week, Virginia. I'm going to catch up on everybody's week. It is hump day. How's your week going so far? It's going really well. I, it? Yes. This is like the best day that I've had thus far. Really? Yes. Because I had a chance to go see my therapist. I had a very good session. <laughs> I was off this week. Mine was busy, too busy to see me this week. So I got a whole bunch to get off my shoulder next week. Yes. Shouldn't I yes. make that two hours? Yes. Yeah. How was your, your week going so far? My, my week is going excellent. My birthday is tomorrow. It'll be 48. Oh, happy birthday. You got plans? Awesome. Um, I don't have plans for tomorrow, but I have plans for the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Do you want us to sing happy birthday to you? No, no, no. I'm good. I am good. Oh, I'm so cute. I know. I was, Paula. Yeah, she will sing. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, Let me I, get to sing a little bit of it. I'm excited. Just to, just to have the day. Mm-hmm. So can I just sing to you a little bit? Go ahead. Just a note. Just one. Mm-hmm. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we ready. Happy birthday. Eventful. Eventful. Yes, it was, was very it eventful. better than you thought? Harder than you thought? Easier than you thought? It was just a new experience. I didn't know really what to think until I was put into it. So okay. I just learned a lot, okay. made a lot of friends, okay. lost a lot of friends. You will be coming back as a sophomore, not a freshman again. Yes, sophomore. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's good awesome. job. Yeah. Good, good, good. So let's talk to, to, to the, the gentleman in the room about this awesome event. When does the event start officially? April 10th. April 10th. And it, how many days? I know these ladies had a lot of questions about the event and fashion in general. Yeah. Um, so we'll just take time. I, I'm excited that it's coming here because I think the last couple of times I was here, I think it was Virginia Fashion Week for Women. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, why we don't have men? Mm-hmm. I want to see some of the fashion, the European fashion, what 
is going on. So what should we expect from um, the Fashion Week? Well, you're going to see a lot of new and exciting designers that uh, you didn't see last year, if you came to the show last year. Uh, we have designers from as far away as New York uh, to and as well as from Miami. We have uh, one designer, Kushal, who is, uh, he's, he's from India, mm. but he lives in Miami, has a dynamic collection to show. We also have uh, New York designer, Clavon Leonard, and uh, as well as New Jersey designer, Ray Brown for Ray Vincent. And then, of course, in Washington, D.C., we have notable designer Andrew Noel, who also was featured on Rip the Runway twice. Okay. Um, beautiful men's clothing. And then, of course, we have our incredible designers here, uh, Mario Daughtry, my partner for, 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 for Reckless. Yes. He's going to be showing something, a capsule collection for men. Uh, swimwear ladies, so be ready to be. And as well as Roxanne, uh, Roxanne Smith, right, for Alpha, for Alpha, A L F A. And those are just some of the design, the emerging designers that you'll see at the Emerge show okay. on April 14th. Okay. Now, and where's that going to be held? That's going to be at the Collector. On okay. Fawn Street, right off of what, 2026, 20, Mario? 2409 Fawn Street. Right, 2409 Fawn Street. It's in the uh, the Market District? Yeah, right off of Church Street. In Norfolk, right off, off of Church Street. Okay, is it? Norfolk, yeah, okay. we centered everything around Norfolk because Norfolk is the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we want them to know that the city is alive and and, and thriving and doing amazing things and don't be afraid of it. This is the hub, Norfolk. Okay. So, you know, yeah, Richmond is the capital, mm -hmm. but, Norfolk but Norfolk is the hub. And of course, Virginia Beach and everything else is laid back. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> that's wonderful. But um, on the four, that's the lineup for the Emerge show on the 14th. On the 13th, we are so happy to be at the Pagoda Oriental mm -hmm. Restaurant and Gardens in Norfolk, right across from Nautica. That's going to be an outdoor show. And what's so incredible about that show is that we have partnered with the SPCA. Nice. And uh, the show is going to be outside amongst the beautiful garden uh, setting. And uh, we are going to be using brick-and-mortar stores uh, from Philip Michael for Men to upscale menswear, to total package out of Suffolk, wow. which is a, a, a menswear store, and rounding it out with Stark and Legum, the incredible haberdashery right here on Granby Street that is a perennial favorite. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're really excited about that on, on uh, Friday the 13th, boo. <laughs> so bring, bring your boo, come meet your boo. Right, 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 right. <laughs> come see your boo, uh -huh. uh, pick your boo, and get and get your boo on. Yeah. Okay, it's going to be incredible clothing from some terrific brick and mortar stores uh -huh. right here in the area in Hampton Roads area. And that's on the thirteenth. That's on the thirteenth. Okay. Okay. But before then, 
on uh, April 10th, we have our opening event, which is free to the public, free to the public. <laughs> free to the public. Did I say free to yes. the public? Uh-huh. Yes. It's, it's free to the public. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, and that's going to be at Upscale Menswear, which is in Virginia Beach. I'm not, I'm sorry, not Virginia Beach, though, Virginia Beach Boulevard in Norfolk. And it's going to be an in-store. Uh, we've entitled that Good Life, Still Life. So it's going to be what we call an installment. We'll have real male models, but they will be standing on boxes and shelves showing the clothes off. And, you know, it's just going to be a happening. It's just going to be a happening. That's going to be on the 10th, Tuesday, the 10th of April. On Wednesday, the 11th of April, we're going to be at Gallery 21. That's on 21st Street in Ghent. And... um, that's for urban renewal mm-hmm. and some of the best in emerging uh, urban wear designers, great young kids like Giscom. Uh, we have a store, Molly. We have uh, a, a Third Eye Five. Third Eye. Yeah, he's an ODU student. Oh, Third Eye. Oh, okay. Third Eye Five. I've seen that name. Uh-huh. Yeah. Third Eye Five yeah. and uh, Three Scoops as well as uh, a line from uh, Hampton, mm-hmm. Eric Brown, called Cry Baby Crew. So it's going to be a happening with chefs and Urban and LL Cool J and <laughs> Roxanne Chante and all of the great people. Okay, well, I heard you say April 10th is free, free, free. So how about the other events? Are the other events free or is there a cost? They cost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but everything is twenty five dollars. Okay. Tickets are twenty five dollars for for the show on twenty five dollars for the show on on uh, Wednesday, and then twenty five dollars for the Pagoda show, and then twenty five dollars for the show, the Emerge show on Saturday. No, we didn't bundle it. We did. We didn't bundle it. It's just you know, come on out and and see some great fashion, some beautiful men. And the great thing about it is, all the men are not just from Virginia. We have men from North Carolina. We have men from Washington. We have uh, a few guys from New York that are coming down. So you're going to see some new faces yeah. in the places. Designers and models. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, Thursday night is our meet and greet over at Palm's Garden. Okay. And Saturday night, we're going to have our after party there as well. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. is on the website on the, under the schedule tab. That's Men's Fashion Week Virginia. Okay. Everything's spelled out. Dot com. And you can get the, uh, the schedule and the list right there. So it seems like a lot goes into planning this. So Absolutely. at the end of last year, did you guys start for this year? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We started a month right we after. We started a month right after. After we recovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It seems> like <laughs> a, a, we took a, a breath. Okay. So what made you want to bring this here? You, you, you're the founders of it. What made you feel, well, like, you feel like VA needed a uh, fashion week for me? She said it at first. Mm-hmm. You know, why not have the men? What? And so when me and Ron had a conversation on the phone last year, mm-hmm. and I you know, about it. at the time we got off the phone, we literally had the whole week planned out for last year's show. So mm-hmm. that's how excited he was about it, and right. I was excited about it. And we just set it in motion. We went forward from there. And, you know, ever since then, we've just been moving forward. So. Yeah. I mean, as a man who loves men, <laughs> being frank about that, 
and 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 loving style, yeah. I think that it was about time. You know, I mean, fashion is for everyone. Fashion is forever, and style is perennial. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that we let them know that men have options and choices. And I'm telling you, if you come to the shows, you're going to see so many options this year. We had them last year. We showed rompers last year in the shows, which was they hadn't even started to come on the market. We also had uh, incredible designers like Cabana Black who showed uh, you know, a, a wonderful uh, denim line. Shout out to Cabana. We just have so many very points of view as men. And, you know, I think it's important, especially since this is a military town where everybody is wearing their uniforms. So I think it's important to show that there are options in style for men. I know before you came in, they were talking about the different looks to expect, and they were questioning um, the style. So I said, these are the two people that you would ask. So, ladies, what were the things well, you were talking about? Well, one of the about? things I was saying, because I was thinking back, like, men's fashion at one time in the style was just black, brown, and blue. I mean, it's men are so brave now to wear so much color, the pop of color this, yeah. pop of color that, the lapel pants, the skinny pants. You know, the high border pants with the amazing socks, because I love yeah. socks, because I think they're so chic. Yeah. You know, without the shock, socks, and the shoes have changed mm-hmm. so much. Because I remember my dad used to just wear the, what is it, the wingtips. The wingtips. Wing mm-hmm. wing the brogues. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, back then, what my dad did, he was really sharp, because they would wear the hats and break them down, and the suits and the trench coats. But it has really changed a whole lot, because it used to be just so basic. But now men have so much to choose from. Like the shirts is like really tailored now. I like the cuffs on the shirts because I like French cuffs. The collars, just everything has just changed. And then with the pinks and the yellows and the greens and the mint greens, they have just really come out of their bag with it. Well, you're going to be seeing a lot of color um, uh, for this, uh, for the showings. But you're also going to be seeing some basics as well. The show on Friday is going to be, we're going to be using established designers like Ralph Lauren and Talia and, uh, you know, Calvin Klein. We just talked about that. And, you know, in different, um, because these are are the individuals that are in store. So you're going to be seeing some of the basics um, as a stylist, a celebrity stylist. I'm going to be pulling a lot of the looks. Um, so you're going to be seeing color, but yes, you are going to be seeing basic because every man doesn't take to a lot of color. You know, you got to feed that to them slowly, you know, and, and I understand that. But, you know, it's, it's important that we hit a little bit of everybody. That's why we have an urban night. That's why we have a night for suits. And then the Saturday show is going to be a cornucopia of everything. A little mix of suits, a little bit of casual, a little bit of sexy, a little bit of fashion and And style. You know what I like, but it's basic and standard, but I think it's just the chicest thing ever. I love seeing a guy in, like, washed denim jeans with a white shirt, Oxford shirt, and a black jacket. Mm -hmm. That is the sexiest thing to me ever, and it's standard, but it's it's amazing, though. What do you think? I think I think so. You know, simple is never wrong. You know, keep it 
keep it simple, keep it cute. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so, so you know, so that is always a standard. It's a classic. Speaking of classics, uh, not all the models are going to be super young guys. Oh, good. We have yeah. got we have guys from age eighteen to sixty-five. Yeah. Jack and, Rose. Uh -huh, Jack yeah. Rose. Exactly. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Jack Rose, yeah. one of our favorite, yeah. wonderful male models in the area. He's a He's a dear, dear friend of mine. He used to model with my sister Cookie all the time for the Val shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has agreed to be on board again this year. And we're just so happy to have him and others like Marcus Clark mm -hmm. and uh, as, as well as Eric Castaño, who is new, yes. but he's an older a gentleman who just slays the women. He does. You know, he, does. he slays, he slays them. Shout, shout out to Eric and Marquita Marquee Bianca, yep. his beautiful wife. And, of course, we have uh, some of the young, young uh, men, great bodies, great physiques, and just happy to be a part of, you know. And you're going to be seeing a variety. We have Filipino. We have, yeah, we have a variety a of, variety of men, Caucasian, man. black. It's not a black thing, y'all. Although black fashion matters. <laughs> you know. Uh, I was going to. Well, I'm glad you have diversity in it. Um, because I'm from New York, which I'll tell you. And I always can tell somebody from New York versus somebody from Virginia. So we are clothes people. Yeah. So the first thing New York women look at is shoes. And then, see, a lot of Virginia look from head down. We look from shoes up. And that's how we look at men. So the shoes first. And then we go up. So I'm glad diversity so you can see how Virginia people dress right. and New York people add a little flavor. Yeah. Even though Virginia gets it late, though, mm -hmm. but I always know an up-top gentleman when I uh, sing mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, it comes in there first. You know what I mean? It comes, it comes from up there, from across the water. So naturally, they would get it. You know, I, I went to school in New York, uh, LIU, Brooklyn, Long Island University. So I, I got my fashion sensibilities from being in New York, working for Abraham and Strauss and Lord and Taylor and just all those all those different uh, wonderful department stores, and it didn't hurt that my sister was modeling for people like Norma Kamali, okay. Willie Smith, and uh, Mary McFadden. She was a house model for them. And so it was just, it, it was by osmosis that I fell into the fashion industry. I, I never intended on being in it. I wanted to be a graphic artist. Oh. And that's what, yeah, that's where I was. But my sister pulled me into a fashion show that she was doing for designer Randolph Duke mm -hmm. at that time, a very famous uh, designer. She was modeling for him. Okay. And I was a dresser. Mm -hmm. She wanted me backstage as a dresser. I had never seen my sister naked before. <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen her naked before until they said until they said 15 minutes before the show, and all the girls had to had to disrobe and get into clothing. And I was shocked because here it is. I had seen 20 beautiful women standing in front of me and just balls to the wind. You know what I mean? It, it was it was definitely a shock for an 18, 19 year old. Yeah. You know to see that. So, but I got I got bitten by the bug, uh, and it's been that way for since then. How'd you get bit by the bug? 
How'd you get into it? I fell into it by accident. By accident? By accident. I was minding my business as a maintenance supervisor and had a brain aneurysm. And um, to cope with that after my surgery, I just got back into art and decided that's what I wanted to do and just went from there. Self-taught everything, so. Wow. Uh, so yeah. I love fashion. I mean, I just, I love the dress. I love fashion. I love makeup. I love all of it. And it's so trendy and it changes all the time. And the one thing that just saddens me about the fashion um, world is that we don't have enough, for me, black designers. Um, I'm going to say um, just like the Kelvin Kleins, mm-hmm. um, Ralph Lauren. You know, we don't. I don't see those. I, I, how can they? I, my question is, how can they get in that market? I mean, they do amazing things. We have amazing designers here, but you can't mainstream them, stream them in like in the department stores, and it's so difficult. I, I don't understand that. Well, you, let me just say this about that: they really are in the forefront, but they are behind the names of some of the uh, of some of the labels. You know, there have been black designers that have and are still making a mark. People like Stephen Burroughs, who's one of the first black designers to ever have his own fragrance, Mm -hmm. Stephen B. And he is still in some of the top stores, although it may be in a corner somewhere, but but he's still in the department stores. There are wonderful black designers. Jeffrey Banks, who does incredible incredible menswear, but he now designs under the label of Johnny Walker. So, you know, Johnny Walker is, you know, the liquor company. Right, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And and there are are incredible, I mean, I could go down the line from from B. Michaels to, um, oh, what is the other uh, lady who she is extremely wonderful, but uh, um, Tracy, oh, I can't think of her last name, but there are black designers that are out here. They're just not, they're just not mainstream, as you were, as right. you were saying, mm-hmm. and some of them are behind some of the bigger lines. Like, there was a gentleman, Lauren Steele, who used to design for Giorgio Armani. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there are they are out here. Yes. But you know, at the end of the day, it's all about finances. Yes. Some yeah. of some of the m- most incredible designers need that youthful yeah. uh, thought and creativity behind them. Donna Karen hired public school. The two gentlemen who work for public school to yeah. design her uh, DKNY brand. Yes, I love Donna Karen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so they're there. shades, yes. from from bright to soft, pale. Mm-hmm. 
and um, men are starting to feel, you know, more confident about who they are and different things like that. So because there's such a wide range of it, they are sort of kind of feeling, okay, summertime we can be light, you know, or we can be bold. So think Think pink. Think pink. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, but also, you know, we're having a a black magic moment, not only black black woman magic, but uh, just black people magic. So cultural is very in with the, you know, with the, the, the whole African prince and the mixing of mediums and very, it's a very Black mm-hmm. Panther moment mm-hmm. right yeah. now, and you'll you'll be hearing some of the music, some of that music in what we're going to be doing all through the week. So I'm excited. Rwanda. So again, give us the website that people can go to. Can they purchase the tickets there, or that yeah, you can purchase tickets on the website as well? The website is www.mensfashionweekvirginia.com. Awesome. So again, that's Mr. Ron Cook and Mario Daughtry here for what is it? Men's Fashion Week, Virginia. Yes, and that's coming up. We'll be definitely be in attendance. you for short. Yes. I like yes. that. I like you. Thank you guys for coming in. We appreciate it. Yes, Thank we'll be we'll us. be there. Yes, right. yes. Thank yes you. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. April 10th. So we have our first guest actually um, on the line, and it's Natasha Freeborn. She is a life coach. She is also a um, certified life coach. She has been helping people fix their problems and break through their barriers on a one-on-one basis since 2014. Going on a train and speaking internationally, she has certified scores of coaches and trainers since then and has written a book called Break the Chains to help people move past personal resistance in their lives. So please help us welcome to the show, Miss Natasha Freeborn. How are you doing, Natasha? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Oh, Hi, I'm thank you for having me. I love the accent. I love the accent. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, we, we, I understand that you, we, we had to reschedule that time when something happened in the studio, but we appreciate your patience in coming on the show, and we're glad to have you here. Um, So you are a certified life coach. What made you want to get into life coaching? It was kind of um, a strange journey, actually. It started years and years ago, and it was one of those moments I had when I was working in a corporate job in London, and I had all of my boxes ticked. You know, I had a good house, I had a partner, I had a great job at a good company, and I got promoted, and I was a manager, and I felt so empty. There, there was just something missing, and I couldn't, for a really long time, really put my finger on what that was. And in hindsight, it's so obvious now that everything's fallen into place. Exactly. But what it really took was for someone to encourage me to start going on personal development courses. And, and once I started doing that, I realized that I was changing as a person. I was really shifting my thinking, and I was kind of opening up my life and my world and I realized there were all of these possibilities out there for what I could do in my life that I'd never considered. And it was like, you know, my horizons changed and my life changed. And I suddenly had all this belief about the things that I could do. And strangely, I felt so passionate about having that feeling mm-hmm. that it led me to choosing a career where I gave that feeling to other people too. Awesome. That's 
Hi, my name is Paula. How are you, Natasha? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, my question for you this evening is, how can I succeed when it feels like no one believes in me? Uh, well, this is, this is a feeling and a question I heard a number of times with different clients and students that I worked with. Um, it's actually what led me to, to writing my book, Break the Chains, because that's all about figuring out how you can move forward with your dream or what it is you want to pursue, mm -hmm. even when it feels like people might not agree with what you think or what your choice is. And people come to that question because they have that moment of telling someone, you know, I'm starting a new business doing something and, and I'm really excited. And, and you feel like that person looks down on it or maybe they act like, oh, they, they dismiss it like it's just a hobby or they don't take it seriously or they don't think that you will amount to anything. Um, one of the things I discuss in the book is Listen, this person or these people, it feels like they don't believe in you, don't think you can amount to anything. Mm -hmm. Who is that person in your life? Because if it's someone that you barely know and you don't have that much interaction with and you don't really care about their opinion, leave them to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to have an opinion and you can leave them to have theirs. Obviously, when it's a problem is when it feels like it's someone who's really close to you, a loved one, a partner, a family member, or a friend, mm -hmm. that it feels like they, they doubt you, that they don't believe in you. And, and really what this comes down to is understanding that you don't have to take on the opinions of other people. And that sounds like it's really obvious to say, like, well, yeah, of course. But it's sometimes quite difficult to do when that person's really close to us. Mm -hmm. So what I talk about particularly in the book is, is I've gone into some research that explains why they might, might react or respond in a particular way and how you can understand that but also really distance yourself from those strong opinions and emotions that, that are impacting you in that decision and in your life. And one of the easiest and quickest ways to do that is just almost imagine a barrier between their thoughts and beliefs and feelings and your own. And however you imagine that barrier is fine. However it works for you is fine. Some people imagine they're wearing a suit of armour. I've had clients imagine you know, that they have some force field around their mind. Um, but it's about learning that we don't have to get drawn into that feeling of going along with what other people think, that we might trust their judgment. Um, and and if, they, if we think that they're questioning us, it can start to take a toll on how we feel about ourselves. And, and we can sometimes convince ourselves that people judge us really harshly, especially if they're close to us. Right. Um, and that can really knock our confidence. Well, what you, um, you just need to ask whether or not it's even true. If you think that they don't believe in you, how do you know that's even true? Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's good. Well, how you doing, Natasha? This is Caprice. Hi. Hi. Um, my question is, you know, they always say um, you are your worst enemy. Your mind is your worst enemy. How can I succeed yeah. if I don't think I believe in myself? So that is, that is a really good question, and I think a lot of people come up against this barrier because, like you said, your mind is your own worst enemy, and often we're our own harshest critics. It's really easy if our friend or loved one is in a really bad position or they're feeling really down on themselves, we feel like we can be the solution for them. We can pick them up and take care of them, make, make them feel better, and yet we don't do it to ourselves. Right. So... <coughs> The first thing I would say is question those beliefs again. 
You know, if you believe, I don't believe in myself, I don't think I can do that. Really question that because we don't always question how true our beliefs are. We make up these rules and then we follow them, but it's actually really difficult to see that how we see ourselves is going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And simply becoming aware of those really limiting beliefs of, oh, I can't do it, I'm not going to succeed, that's the first step. And I would always, always encourage someone to be as kind to themselves as they would to someone else because sometimes you do just have to look out for number one. You can't, you know, you can't fill someone else's cup if your own cup is empty. You've got to take care of yourself. Question those thoughts and beliefs that make you feel bad because if they're making you feel bad, they're probably not true. So uh, this is Will again. So what you were saying kind of reminds me of a movie I saw last night called Acrimony, uh, when the lady, when it was a, it was a married couple, and the wife didn't really believe in the dreams of the the husband. And um, yeah, yeah, I saw the movie and it was it was yeah, it was a really good movie. But um, I wanted to know. So you were saying how to form this barrier around yourself and so that you don't allow mm-hmm. these things. But what what if you're in you know, you're in the partnership, you're in the marriage. How do you how do you do that? I always hear things where you need to separate yourself from people who don't believe in you, you need to change your circle. So you're you're suggesting you stay in those type situations but you need to figure out how to operate I guess while you're in those situations? Is that what you're saying? That you shouldn't Yeah, it's 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 a diff- it's difficult to get the right balance because you know, it's so easy for people to say, Oh, you know what, if you're surrounded by people that don't believe in you, stop hanging around with those people. Well, that's sometimes easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And if we suddenly realize that everyone in our life is very toxic and we find it very easy to, you know, cut them all off and start fresh, Mm -hmm. then then okay. But 95% of people either don't find that possible or don't want to do it. You know, it's very difficult to suddenly stop talking to all your family and friends and your husband or wife just because you're worried they don't believe in you. So for me, it's really about getting that balance. If there are people in your life who are genuinely really toxic, they're really, really negative towards you, and they just make you feel bad about yourself, then definitely they should not be in your life. Equally, there will be people in your life who you're just not going to see eye to eye with. You don't agree with everything they say, but you don't disagree with them either. You still love and care for them and you want them in your life. They're not, you know, a negative or toxic relationship. They're just someone who doesn't have all of the same beliefs and opinions that you do. And that is really about understanding that getting to a point where you feel you can say comfortably and honestly, you know what, we can just agree to disagree. You have your opinion and I have mine. And I'm, a, do you know what? I'm actually okay for you to think that. I'm okay with you thinking that. And I'm okay with saying, I understand and I don't agree. And regardless of what your opinion is, I'm going to live this version of my life because that's what means the most to me. And I'm not going to change that for anyone. And if you can accept that, and if they can accept that, even though you know you don't agree with it, then that's when you can start to implement those you know, just putting up those barriers, because there will be things that trigger those feelings. There will be things that they say, that they bring up, that will make you feel that way again. But it doesn't mean you have to cut them out of your life. It just means you need an understanding and a certain level of distance with particular topics that kind of trigger those difficult moments. Boundaries, yeah. Okay. 
Hi, this is Paula again. And one of the questions I have for you is, how does a life coach impact someone's life? So, for me, I have had coaches, and I've been a coach for a number of years, and I've seen it from both sides. So I know how much of a huge change it can make. Um, to me, it seems obvious that it makes a huge change because there are so many problems that you can get really easily caught up in, and sometimes you just don't know how to figure them out without someone else's help. And and when you get a great coach, they, they, they not only help you solve those problems in the here and now, but they give you those tools to help you keep figuring out more problems, like off your own back, in the short term and the long term. And and what I've kind of discovered over the years is my specialty outside of using neuro-linguistic programming, which is what I'm certified in, outside of that is, is I've really honed this ability to help people with what I call light bulb moments. And when they come to me, whether it's on a short-term or a long-term basis, they have to tell me their problem. That's all they need to do. I have a problem with X, Y, Z. And I ask them a few questions, and we get into a brief dialogue, and I've honed that ability to the point where I can pinpoint the problem and they have that light bulb moment of, oh, that's what it is. And, and they have clarity where half an hour or an hour ago they didn't have it. And, and they can fix that in a really short period of time. So it's really about have, the impact is having answers to questions that they might have been wrestling with for a long time or, you know, just been sleepless nights or a lot of stress. And having those answers and that clarity is one of the biggest ways that I think it can be really life-changing for people. Okay. okay. How are you doing? This is Caprice again. Good. Hi. With all the coaches popping up over <laughs> over the years, you said you've been a uh, certified coach for years. How has your work yeah. changed over the years? Um, for me, for me personally, in terms of what I spend my time doing, I used to spend a lot of time doing kind of certification courses, teaching people to be NLP practitioners, and I do some coaching as well. And and it's shifted a bit to doing more coaching and then some kind of bespoke training courses for companies. But I always like having the balance of both because I love working with people one-on-one. And in terms of those things that I, I deal with on a one-to-one basis, I think there's been two big changes that I've seen over the years. And one is that I do a lot more work with teens now. I do student mentoring with, with teenagers in the UK. And I'm seeing with them and across all other age groups that there is so much more openness to talk about potential or current mental health problems and, and a desire to deal with them in ways outside of just medication alone. Now, obviously, that's always been a big option is to do, you know, deal with mental health problems in ways that don't just mean medication. But I find that people are so much more open to it now than they used to be, that people are becoming far more happy to open up and figure out how their personal development can change their lives and change problematic thinking or problematic, um, you know, mental health issues that they've struggled with, maybe for a long time. Um, And the other thing is that I've noticed how people now seem to be much more keen these days to admit that they have, like, you know, a one true desire for their life, whether that's a career goal or a a relationship goal um, or a health and fitness goal. They're okay now with just saying, being truthful and honest and and opening up and saying what they want for their lives or that they just want help figuring out what what that goal is so that they can can achieve it. So I feel there's there's a lot more openness now. 
now that people are more open to admitting what they want and going after it and and for me that's really heartwarming I think because that's the thing that I'm passionate about helping people do okay one question a personal question to ask you so you would think that when people keep going through situations and they make mistakes and everything you will learn from those but why do people seem to keep making bad choices and what can they do to stop those that that's a good question because like you said people always think oh you know you know you must learn from your mistakes and in theory yeah but life isn't always that simple is it um and and the biggest reason that we have for that is we kind of have this daily struggle between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind or what some people call our subconscious and so our conscious mind is the one that's making the decisions in terms of setting goals and going out and getting what we want but our subconscious mind is what's actually controlling our behavior. We just don't realize it all the time. So you might set a goal of, you know, earning more money, but instead of doing more work, you sit and watch Netflix. Or if you set a goal of losing weight and you just keep avoiding the gym and, you know, eating chocolate and then feel bad about yourself and you end up beating yourself up about it. And it's such a common problem, you know, especially in terms of things like relationships. People keep going for the same people who are wrong for them. And we feel like we're sabotaging ourselves and then we feel even worse. But what it comes down to is that we don't always know what's going on at that yeah. subconscious level. We don't always know what limiting beliefs are holding us back. We might not always be aware of them. You know, we have values, these things called values that define what we focus on, what we spend our time on and how we live our lives. But we don't always control what they are. They just exist in our subconscious mind. So we set goals and then it's our unconscious mind that decides what we want. So, for example, if you wanted to lose weight and you think exercising is really, really hard and you have this unconscious value of you only want to do things that are easy, then those two things just don't match up. Exactly. And you'll end up going back to what's your default. So it's possible to change. It sounds like I'm being a real downer about it, which is not my intention. Mm. It is possible to change that. But, but often what people do is, is they quit before that new habit is really fully formed. You know, we're doing the thing that you consciously want to do. There's this common misconception I keep hearing that you can form a new habit in 21 days. But actually a lot of research is showing that it can be quite personal. Some people do form a new habit in a matter of days, and some people, it can take them a number of months. So it's really about just being dedicated, consciously dedicated to what you want to do on a daily, daily basis to make sure that no matter what it is you want, that if you've decided it consciously, you have to allow that habit to form and so it sinks in at that unconscious level because that's really where it's going to make the difference. And Natasha, you have given us a wealth of information. I've enjoyed you immensely. Um, gave us a lot of food for thought. Um, um, for our listeners, we want to know, how can um, they follow you? So they can find me on Facebook at Tash Freeborn. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Tash underscore Freeborn. Um, they can also visit my website at TashFreeborn.com. Okay, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great evening. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, too. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. 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 Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so there's a lot of things going on with Hot Topics today. Yes. We I have so much. I wish you guys had seen Acrimony, but, I of course, know. you guys are late. Late. seeing the movie. 
Okay, so you know, there's a, a new trend. You guys ever heard the, the term ghosting? You, you said somebody went ghost, right? Oh, they went ghost on me. That was me. Yeah, but have you ever heard that? Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? You say missing, missing they're missing. Okay, so like in the dating scene, when people like you're dating and you know, you go out with somebody, you guys have been chatting and texting and whatever, and then they just stop, uh-huh. that's called ghosting. Okay. But there's a new term out called mosting. So ghosting is when a prospective partner completely vanishes from your life after a series of dates. With mosting, the prospective partner lays it on thick, more or less convincing you that you're the one, then they ghost you. Mosting is ghosting, but when what but where before you ghost, you completely love bomb the person with praise, compliments, and faux perfect soulmate type stuff. As with ghosting, you're totally left blindsided, but you're also wondering why put all the effort in and then go missing. My question to you is, have you ever ghosted or mosted, or have you ever had that done to you? I've had it done to me. Um, I, I never, I've never done that uh-huh. um, because I'm, not that I'm perfect at all, but I. You're more direct. Yeah, I'm more yeah. direct, and I'm more in tune to, uh, to people's feelings because uh-huh. I never want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know what I mean, because my feelings have been hurt so much. So I would never want to do that to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me to say, oh, you know, I don't like you anymore because I, y- your feelings are more important than mine. So I have been ghosted and mosted. <laughs> ghosted feel, and mosted. Ghosted and mosted. It feels like a cupcake. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But, um, yes. I, and, I, and the thing of it is we were talking about this on the ride in. I don't understand the mosting. It's mosting, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because... Why go through all of that? Why say, oh, baby, you this, you that, uh-huh. you the one, where you been all my life, I love you, da 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 I know that you're behind is lying because you just want the cookies. Uh-huh. You, why go through all of that? And, and it becomes really. You said it. Right, yeah. for, the, yeah. for the cookies. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, just ask for the cookies. If she tells you no, you can't have them, you then can't you have them. Then you miss the cookies. Why, why, why risk Yeah, that? but why why pull at her heartstrings yeah. or his heartstrings? It's not right, yeah. You know, it's not. it really isn't right because, you know, especially when you're saying the L word, uh-huh. you know, that's something that is just sacred. You yeah. know, when you tell somebody you love them or you're in love with them, um, that's serious. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know all the time that you're lying. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's terrible. I say, come on now. You, you're doing the most. You're For doing real? the utmost. Like, you lying. How you can know? you tell? Because they laying it on thick. And then you got to say, hey, I'm not that chick that's going to believe everything. So you may want to calm it down. Uh-huh. Sometimes people <laughs> understand people low self-esteem. And uh-huh. say, let me give you everything that I think okay. you want to hear. Okay. And then I'm, I'm good. Because then I got you hooked. Uh-huh. And then you're waiting for that phone call. You're waiting for, you know, see, some people don't date. Like, I, when I used to date, even if I was sitting there doing nothing and somebody, the guy texts me, I'll tell him I'm doing something. Uh-huh. Let me get back to you. Because I don't want you to think that I'm sitting around I'm available all the time, yeah. And for your phone call. So, I, you can tell, come on, Paul. But, I mean, yeah, I know. But I recognize game. Right. Period. But the thing of it is, is that, why do that to a person? You understand what I'm saying? Because the thing of it is, is that after a while, your game is going to be, after a while, she's going to she's gonna see your pattern. You know what I mean? Then what's going to happen is that she's going to begin to unlike you. But remember, 
it all it, it, what Karma. comes around yeah. goes around. Karma. And the thing of it is, is that you're not gonna like it. And most men cannot deal with that. Yeah. They cannot deal with getting mosted. Because if you tell them, no, I can't see you right now, they're going to get an attitude. Exactly. How are you going to get an attitude with me and you still meet up like 50 times? Yeah. I'm telling you no, and you're going to get an attitude with me. I, 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 don't, I don't get that. But if you, if you can identify you, and you notice yeah. that that's what they're doing, yeah. why not nip it in the bud? How do you nip it in the bud? Like she just said, you, look, I'm not the one. But if you, you tell them, I'm sorry, if you yeah. tell them, yo, I'm not the girl, you don't have to do the dog and pony show for me. Just tell me what it is. And if I want to do this, I'm going to do it with you. If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. But for me, sorry, guys, men can't handle that because they're saying, oh, yeah, you just, she just saying that. She just saying that. No, there's a lot of women out there that got some game about That's them, right. and she's telling you, yo, just tell me what it is. If I want to lay down with you, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then we get up in the morning, I'm going to see you later. <laughs> you don't have to give me no flowers or nothing. I'm okay. out. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? But there's men that will do that to women because because yeah. they, don't, they, they don't have enough self-esteem for me and themselves to be the real man and be like, hey, I just want to do this. No, I'm not in love with you. The strength's about it long to hurt their feelings. That's, that's yeah, what I think. And to me, there's several types of ghosting. I remember years ago when I was dating, um, when I was dating this guy, and it was like, okay, he broke up with me lots of times. I took him back. Uh-huh. So then I started dating him again. I broke up with him, and he and I tried to go back, and he wouldn't take me back. And I'm like, well, he wouldn't answer his phone. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but I took you back four or five times. But Acrimony. We have time, to see the movie. You can't take me see? Back. That's what I mean. Okay, he I ghost like that's okay. I have a I have a I have a story to top so that. So you can ghost in several different ways. Yeah. You can right. you can be in a relationship and get ghosted as well. Yeah. But men can't handle rejection. And all that's what it all goes back to. Men can't handle rejection. Yeah. Right. Women now, can, I, nobody can reject. Well, listen. I dated this guy for five years. Uh-huh. Oh my God, we were supposed to get married and everything. You know what I mean? Just blind in love, blind in love. Five years I dated the guy, just all of a sudden, out of the blue, bam, home stopped calling me. Ghost. How do you date somebody for five years and you just stop calling them? Because he was married. No, he wasn't married. He wasn't married? No, he wasn't married. He just stopped calling me for five years. It, you could, well, I mean, after I mean, five years, he just stopped calling. That doesn't make I'm sense. infamous for ghosting and ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yes. you would ghost somebody after dating for five years? Yeah, and, and, and has, yeah. Because you said something happened. No, it doesn't take much to take me off. It don't take much to take me off. You could do something that irritates me. If I love you, I'll see if you do it again. If you do it again, I'll just go ghost. Because I, I haven't got to the point where I can have that honest conversation and be like, it's not going to work. So you don't think going ghost So things will just slowly taper off. Worse than it will. Just tell the truth and say, you know what, you did something. I can't really yeah. deal with you right Therapy, now. Therapy, I haven't gotten that. Well, far I mean, yet. Right, to me, I mean, that's just that's just fading them to black, and I don't really think yeah. that you should fade well, a person to no, black. I'm not saying it's right. It's not, not right or wrong. It's it's my fact. That's just that's how I handle it. Wow. I mean, prior to who I'm with now, I ghosted somebody. So how did you mow somebody? You just tried to fill their head up. No, but it's not intentional for me. I mean, I, I can like it. I could be in you. I could be in, you know, trying to get to know you. And it's just my, my habit to, you know, shower you with attention. If I like you, if I think I like you, I'm going to tell you that. But, you know, if you could do something and it's just over. I just won't, I'll just be gone. I won't have that conversation when it's over. 
I'm just like. But where where's the forgiveness? Oh what happened to forgiving? But when I this is what I did. This is what I did. When I did my post on Facebook. Yes. About the engagement. That was really closure for a lot of things that were open. That was, well, if you guys wondered, that was what that was for, because it was just a lot of dangling things left open that I had to, that closed. No, oh, my God. So, it was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. We had a hot mess. Hey. The closure part, like the five-year thing, uh-huh. you know, you do need closure. I mean, it did bother me. You know, he did. But you know, the person knows when something's know. wrong. I didn't. I, I mean, he, he, he dated a lot of. Well, I mean, he dated a lot of women, you know, but the thing of it is, is that I didn't see it fade out. You know what I mean? We, were ha- we had some issues. I mean, you just stop, bam, just stop calling me. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, many years later we had spoken and he was like, you know, at that time, you know, I just thought that I was all this and this and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that, you know, how much I really cared for you until after you were gone. Mm-hmm. And the thing of it is, is that, a lot of things happened to him, you know, in his life to make him realize, hey, I need to stop ghosting, mosting all these women because mm-hmm. I can. You know, nice looking guy, you know what I mean? Had a lot of swag about him. But now, you know, he's lonely and by himself. And that's <laughs> normally what happens when you be doing all that ghosting and mosting. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, I accepted that because I was young. I, I mean, I was 21 and he was 31 years old. Mm-hmm. So, um, Whoa, go ahead. Yeah, uh-huh. but I um, I mean, it was a life lesson. I never, uh-huh. I mean, I was hurt. I cried for like a whole week. Oh. But, um, <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, that also plays with your psychic. Was it me? What I do? What, what right, I of course. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand questions. Yeah. But I need to get to widow. Mm-hmm. That post was a statement of coming out, a reflection of goodbye to everybody all at one time. Mm-hmm. I got blocked. I, told, I came in there. I got blocked by so many people. I don't even understand why. But. How do you not understand, Mr. Moster? Because the one person that blocked me, we hadn't talked since 2016. So we didn't they still had to so what, Yeah. Well, you know now. <laughs> so you must have said, see, okay, I'm glad that that happened. Because yeah. men don't realize the things that you say, like women act a certain way. They're like, they get tripped out because they're like, I don't even know why she's tripping like that. I don't even know why she's acting like that. Dude, you have to take accountability because you had said something in your actions that made that person feel that yeah. way. That still friend you. They did something in their action to make me be ghost or most it gone. Yeah, I, I think also no. with the with the engagement thing, mm-hmm. it was what happened when people don't update their status a lot. You don't know about their life. Yeah. So when that statement came, and yeah. I was like, "What? Yeah. I went to every other." Well, what's worse about it? A lot of people thought it was the wrong person. And then they thought you were joking. Yeah. No, they thought he was joking. I'm like, you sure? Like, I thought y'all were already married. Like, no, I can't that, call. It's like, is that a joke? Three years ago. No. Well, 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 you know you're not going to do it no more, right? You're not going to most anybody up and go say you happy. We don't know what God has in store. That's we don't know. We, we don't know. Well, we live in the present. I'm hoping that I won't. And it, it looks like I won't have to, but good, no, we don't good, know. Good. So, yeah. what do you, so with the mosting. Yeah. Do you, I'm just asking you, with the mosting, with laying it on thick, um, do you really think that's right? And do you think more I men do it or do or women? Both. Absolutely both. I should have asked you that question. I should have. Hmm. But that's just me. Well, let me see. Uh, in my, my interpretation of what mosting may be, it may, may be incorrect. 
I don't do it with the intent of going in to fool you. My mosting comes when, you know, things are going good, something happens, and I'm just out. I don't say, you know, it's not working. You know, we shouldn't be together. I'm just out. I'm not going to text you no more. I'm not going to call you no more. You may text me. I'm not going to answer. So you don't give the person the opportunity to correct Mm-mm. or to fix? Because you, 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 know, you already said it. You already did it. Yeah. You just disconnect. I'm disconnected. And it can't be, I, it can't be gotten back. Because whatever it was was enough to make me totally, whatever, however long we've been together, whatever we shared, that was it. People, people really do that when trust is broken. Yeah. So that's mine. So I mean, there. I'm sure there are people who go out to prey upon people. That's not my my version of mosting or ghosting. Mine is something happens and I'm out without notice. Well, I mean, I'm glad that I. Because um, you talked. I mean, there's organizations that ghosting. I would you like? No, you shouldn't do that. You should give people. You right, know. because I because I'm the type of person that believe in a gray area, and I, I just had this conversation with uh, my friend Lisa. And, um, you know, she goes to church often. And I said, church people, for me, sorry, mm-hmm. are notorious for me, notorious for not for not being forgiving. Mm-hmm. They're the main ones that's hooping and hollering, talk about forgiving this and this and that, but they will not forgive you if, if their life depended on it because they hold fast to what it is that you do and they have not, they don't have a forgiving spirit. So... I, I'm the type of person that um, I'm flexible in my thinking. You should be forgiving um, and understanding because you want somebody in the end to do the same for you. It's so you could cut somebody off, but when it's your turn, you want somebody to be understanding and forgiving to you. So why not to the other person? Is that, is that right? Yeah, I mean, come on. I think it depends on the people you come into. Some, some Christians do forgive as you're supposed to. But as I was sitting here, I'm like, wait a minute. I think I ghosted some people. I'm like, like you say, you just don't return a phone call. Just don't be bothered. I'm an introvert, extrovert. So to me, if I don't want to be bothered, I'm just okay. not going to answer yeah. or mm-hmm. don't call back. So maybe that is a form of ghosting. You just don't. See, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm an extrovert. So I'm not going to, even if I'm pissed at you. You still going to answer the phone? Because I think it's rude that you don't. If somebody is calling you, I think, so. I think that that's rude that you don't answer. I mean, because, <clears throat> I mean, that has happened to me lots of times. You know, I'm calling you and you don't answer the telephone. I think that that's rude. Or if I'm texting you and you don't answer the text, unless, you know, we're arguing or something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to get myself together. That's, like, totally different. But just to play the game that, oh, she's calling and I'm just not going to answer, that's disrespectful. Here, we have a, a caller on the air, actually. So I want to. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hi there. It's Corby. Oh, yes, yes. You're, you're just a little bit early. This is, so we're actually going to wrap up a conversation, then I'm going to go ahead and welcome you in, okay? You bet. All right, thanks. Okay, well, I'm going to say it on me. Now I know. I'm yeah. going to say, when you know better, you do better. You know better, right. you do better. I, like I said, I was a little ghosted, I guess, but, uh, but I am a church person that's to give. Paula. Yeah. <laughs> Paula has an issue with church. Men, all men. No, I don't. Because they're judgmental. So you believe in the gray area. Yes, I believe in the gray area. When you have so many uh, people in your life, and so many, you have to forgive because there's no way around it. Because, like, say my mother, she did something. I have to forgive her. There's Mm -hmm. there's no way around that. Do you believe in the gray area, like she was saying? Um, Or things black and white? No, I think it is a gray area because some people do things for a reason. I try to look at um, beyond past the person physical mm-hmm. and try to get in what happened. Why do they do that? Why do they walk like that? Why do they talk? Because there's a reason why people do everything. 
that's where that un- that's where that unconditional love comes exactly. in for exactly. friendship, for all of it. I mean, you have to have unconditional love. And if you don't know what that is or know what it looks like, no, you're not going to be able to forgive. Because the first thing you have to do is look at the man in the mirror. And do you want anybody to be forgiven and have unconditional love for you? Boom. Okay, we have some viewers and listeners from Facebook Live. Uh, we have Ron Young calling in or texting in from Atlanta. Hey, Ron. Ron's comment is, church people are the same people that you work with, party with, etc. And he also agrees with you. No, I feel the same way. I never go back to any relationship when we are done. Done is done. Oh, okay, true. We miss you, Ron. I don't know about that part. I don't know about that part. Well, you, because you can't go back to relationships if you already just said that you ghost people. So you I have. I mean, that's just them. I, I have gone back to a relationship before. Because there's still love there. There's still feelings there. It's, it's hard to just... People crack me up and be like, once I'm done, I wash my hands, I'm done. You know what I mean? You really didn't love them in the first place. Because if you could just dismiss me like that. Mm-hmm. I have a hot topic with Tina Turner. Her situation was different. So you're saying she... Well, I was whooping her ass, so... <laughs> I don't know how many thousands of dollars we just got. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. FCC. Ooh, sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you believe to it, but some people don't. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it. That's kind of I have a hot topic okay. with, with Tina Turner. Yeah, but our, 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 yeah, our next guest is on the line. Miss Corby Midlife. She is a certified professional tarot reader and certified psychic. She's a trained medium and ordained minister. Hmm. Corby is a master at living the examined life. She's an expert with dealing with abuse, poverty, divorce, and a life-threatening illness that gave her the humor and courage that she, that she brings to others today in her work as an intuitive counselor and inspirational teacher. So please help me welcome to the show, Ms. Corby Midlife. How are you? Hi, guys. I am wonderful. Even better, I love the fact that I'm talking to Virginia Beach. Yeah. <laughs> half, half my relatives are from Norfolk. Oh, really? No, because I pronounce it right. You did. You did. And no, right. Exactly. But Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, let's start the show, the, the questioning with, I'm a self-help book junkie. So I want to ask you, <laughs> why do people, I, I bought one today, why do people buy self-help books in the first place? Oh, man. One of the biggest problems we've got is that we're taught to believe someone else knows better than we do. Mm-hmm. We're told from childhood that we have to look to other people for answers. The doctor teacher, the fitness coach, the life coach, the religious figure. I mean, even if our intuition tells us that something is true, what do we do? We Google it to see if maybe we're right or wrong. Exactly. And so self-help books are a billion-dollar industry. You're supposed to think that someone else, some expert who has never met you, doesn't know your life and doesn't know your challenges, is going to know better than you do how you're supposed to live. That makes no sense to me.
subscribe to the Choice Myers Club. I get this stuff. I'm like, I'm never, I haven't even read the first book. Mm. So why do I do that? Because people are good at marketing, my love. You've got the sexy title and you've got the good cover art. And trust me, we really work on making the back of the book sound yummy. Mm -hmm. But when you open it up and you start reading, I'm sorry, I live in upstate New York in a 12-acre hayfield in a tiny house with sheep and cows for neighbors. I don't have a gym to go to. I don't have a vegan store. And no, I'm sorry. I wear muck boots to the barn. I'm not in my spandex yoga pants. So you tell me yoga will sell you your life. I'm going to say, not mine, baby. Right, right. That's the thing. But that's all I'll say. I've got the answers. Well, no, you don't. But we keep hoping this one will.
He has room for every single possible answer, and he's guaranteed to learn something either way. Okay. Like a Martian. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that is good. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So, we talked about self-help books. Mm-hmm. How did you make sure your book didn't fall into the typical self-help book trap? First and foremost, I never believe my own press. What? I tell people, I, I never believe, look, I have lots of nice press. I never believe it. <laughs> because when you are a psychic the way I am, people think, oh, my God, Kirby, so accurate. Look, if I concentrated on my accuracy, then I'm not being, as John Holland says, the clear truth. And I keep reminding people, even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one who is 100% accurate is God, and he's not doing readings on radio show this week. Right. There you are. <laughs> um, so I wrote this not needing to be right, but saying, here's some of the stupid things that I did you might want to know about. Here's some of my clients, and here's some ideas to think about. And I made it very clear in the book. Read the book, only take what works for you, and toss the rest away. You are not going to hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Because my goal is to inspire people, not motivate Motivating pushes someone to do something. Like the doctor says, if you don't lose 40 pounds, you're going to get diabetes and die. Right. Inspiration excites and encourages. I mean, if that's when you look at a woman who's 78 and she's doing that yoga and you go, wow, I really want to do that when I'm her age. That's inspiration. So that's what I want, to inspire people with their own possibilities and tell them nothing can stop them if they don't stop themselves. Wow. wow. Okay, I um, am looking over the information that we have, and I see that you're a certified professional tarot reader. I've had several readings um, the past, I'll say, few months, and I, I really enjoy my uh, my readings. Um, the information that I received, a lot of it has come true thus far, and I, two of my friends have readings as well, and everything that was stated to them, have I've seen them um, come to pass. And I know sometimes a lot of people don't believe in getting readings, or they think that it's um, evil. Um, but the things that information she gave me was very positive. Um, and we just want to look, I just want a little more information of how you got into uh, being a reader and a certified psychic trainer. Okay. Well, I started out as a child. Truly, it starts there. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. <laughs> so fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school working part-time at Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 tower deck, and I bought it. I mean, we had fringe jackets and elephant leg bell bottoms, and you had to have a tower deck. It was cool. So, you know, five years later, people had moved on to platform shoes and disco balls. I was still doing the reading, and I really... I am a storyteller by nature, and cards help you tell a story to your client. So I read for 20 years, friends, making sure I was that clear tube without my ego getting in the way. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when I figured God handed me the draft notice and said, hello, you're working for me. 
so I did it part-time. Meanwhile, I very checkered career, actress, author, uh, executive recruiter, video producer, legal assistant, you name it. But 9-11, my husband and I watched the towers burn. Mm-hmm. And I turned to him and I said, I must do this work full-time. People will need to know there are other answers out there, not just doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. He said, I believe in you could do it. So for a year, I was still working 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter. But I worked evenings and weekends wherever I could to make sure I could make a living at this. Once I knew that, it was sayonara to business offices, and I've never looked back. Now I travel 45 weekends a year. I work six days a week. And, God, I love my life. Gosh, that's amazing. So if we ask you to pull a card or two for us, is that, is that um, I mean, do you do it like that? Like it's like it. Oh, yeah. But let me tell you how I read, because it's, a, it's um, not just if you want to know about this new business, I pull four cards and say, well, wait until January and Friday, right? And what? My whole thing is give you a reading to empower you. If you said to me, is my business going to be successful? I'd look at you and get very New York and say, and what if I said, no, it's going to be lousy, you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge? Wrong question. <laughs> Ask, how do I make my business rock and roll? Then there's a card for you, a card for the energy around the business, a card for the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know, and best possible outcome. I do what I call drill down readings. So you leave with so much juicy information, you can put the rocket pack on your back and go with it. Mm-hmm. It's also why when you have a session with me, baby, you get it recorded because you will never remember everything, mm-hmm. and if you're taking notes, you're not listening. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is, that is absolutely true. So, so what is the question, my love? Well, well, I have a question. I've never gotten a reading before because um, I, I, I just thought it was weird and think that nobody could really do it. Um, okay. But... So you said basically ask a question. Yes, please. Okay, well, um, I'll be 48 tomorrow, and I'm still trying to find a lovely, lovely career. I have all these degrees. But um, I've always wanted to do um, real estate, and I'm thinking about um, doing that. Because I said, okay, 48 after that, I got this is another life to live. I'm going to go back to do what I did. In 2004, I did take the real estate test. Um, I passed one part, didn't pass the other part because I was going through some things my dad had passed. I probably wasn't ready to take the test, but I did. But I really want to get into real estate. So the question is, is it the right time? Do you see that? Got it. Got it. Forgive me if I'm giggling because my cousin Lewis is, is in real estate in Virginia Beach. I feel like, oh, go, go talk to cousin Lewis. But anyway, so first, um, what do you do if you go into real estate? So, oh, I need to give you the rookie rules. Number one, if you don't understand what I'm telling you, you stop me right there. Of course, you back it up and do it again. Number two, you ask whatever you want. Three, there are three cards that weird out rookies. Death, the devil, and the tower. If they come up, I'll tell you what they mean because it ain't that. Okay? So, general question. How does real estate look for you right now? King of Cups, Ace of Pentacles, and Queen of Pentacles. All right. Um, cups is relationships. That's anything that goes human heart to human heart, family, friends, work, community, whatever. The King of Cups tells me that the way you should go into the real estate is to find a mentor, probably a male mentor, who's been there, done that. No, I'm not talking about my cousin Lewis. <laughs> the second card is the Ace of Pentacles. That's the big, it has a hand that's 
find that male mentor who believes in you and will teach you everything you need because real estate, like anything else, changes from year to year to year. You should do extremely well. You will be holding abundance in both hands. Now, the next thing that I think of, because remember, I used to be an executive recruiter, is do you want to do commercial? Do you want to do residential? Do you need to do both? So we pull cards on that. Okay, one for commercial, one for residential, one for doing both. Commercial, the Empress card, you could rule with commercial. Residential, three of pentacles. Three of pentacles is a long-term card. You would always have some of that in there, but I think that the challenge of finding the perfect place for a business in Tidewater is what's going to fire your rockets. Doing both, four of swords, which can either be sanctuary or prison. You have to make sure if you try to do both of them that you don't exhaust yourself because each of them is a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, demanding master. Okay? Okay. Uh, is this making sense to you so far? Mm, it is. Wow. It is. Mm. And we could go on and on and on. That's because, um, again, I want to give you every single thing that you can use. But for now, on the radio, I think that, that's enough to get you started. Right. right. See, amazing. I used to get that I've gotten a Wheel of Fortune card, like, several times and the King of Cups. Um, but my where for my career, where I want to go, because I love doing media, um, what I'm doing now, and I love hosting, but I am looking forward to being a motivational speaker and telling my story and motivating I can see myself doing that. Um, so mm-hmm. that's what I'm really looking forward to, to doing and doing more um, of what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I now, have I switched to a different person here? Yeah, well, Will and I. That's, I'm sorry? Yeah. Got it. Okay, I just wanted to, did I reach for a different person because the voices are... Oh, yeah, this is Paul. I'm sorry. Uh, thank, thank you, Missy. Okay. Um... The key to motivational speaking, and I'm just doing this from my own point of view, is to be so excited about your message and so much you want to give it away that you vibrate before you walk on stage. That's real key. Yes. Now, um, with you, let me do a very quick, what I call the entrepreneur's spread, because that's what this would be. Cards for you, cards for the energy around the business, where to do it, how to market it. Clients, competition, staff, finance is what you need to know in the best possible outcome. I'll do this as quickly as possible. Okay, energy for you. Seven of Wands. I call that the Whack-A-Mole card. You ever played Whack-A-Mole at the county fair? No. Whack-A-Mole, you've got a big cardboard thing, and there are nine little mechanical moles coming out. Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay, the Seven of Wands says you're going to have to play Whack-A-Mole to get started because you're going to have to find that singular message that you want to give to people because you've got so much to tell them. Energy around uh, the idea of being uh, a motivational speaker, nine of swords. You're going to have some doubts. Take them to the curb. You are not supposed to have it all together as a motivational speaker because then you're slick. Mm. Wayne Dyer was a great speaker, but he had some screw-ups in his life, and he used them to talk to people. So... Mind your life. Uh, where to do it? Two of Pentacles has someone juggling in two ways, so I'm going to tell you that you want to do it both in person and on the radio. Start working it here. How to market what you do? The Three of Swords is the Broken Heart, uh, the broken heart card. 
that's what people will come to you for. You need to help them pull the swords out of their own heart. Mm-hmm. They, no one is going to cure you but you. Not me, the motivational speaker, but you're going to hear something I say, and you're going to take it and use it. Clients, prince of swords, people who are really under huge amounts of stress and need to take a chill pill. Competition, princess of swords is one young smart aleck who thinks that hers don't stink. And you're just going to have to pat her on the head and say, thank you, darling. You may think that if you wish, but I'm over here. Um, staff, karma. You're going to get one person who's going to back you on this, be your virtual assistant. And, um, well, that's a whole past life thing, and I'm not going to get into that, but they will be very good for you. Financially, ten of cups, happy home. What you need to know, nine of wands. The been there, done that, sold the franchise card. Don't get so used to it that it becomes canned speech. Final card for you, five of wands. So many ideas, so many people who want you, your life is going to be a whirlwind. Wow. That was amazing. So we had someone submit a question that wanted to know, is hand analyst the same as what you do? It's a, can who do the same as what I do? The hand analyzing, I believe. That's what oh, palmistry. Yes. I don't know because I'm not a palmist. That's kind of like asking your pulmonologist, check my heart. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, you know, it, it's, it's a very valid thing. Um, there's also something called psychometry, oh. which is where you read the energy off an object. And when I first got married to my husband, Carl, I used to love to give people who did psychometry uh, my wedding ring, and they'd get very red in the face and giggle. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, palmistry does different stuff. I, spirit uses what we're good at. What's my background? Theater major at Brown University, storyteller, published author. So that's why I can weave the story and use the analogies in tarot. Maybe somebody else can or can't. It's also one of the reasons I'm really good with past lives. I, I love history. If somebody else was trying to get a past life for Paul, and said, well, I see you in a long dress and a big hat, so it's old-fashioned. I would go, mm, okay, hobble skirt, pitch your hat, that kind of an ostrich feather. I think we're talking 1911 or 12. Now, who's going to give you the better clue as to who you were? It's just, you know, whatever tool we have, that's what spirit uses right. to put it out there. Okay. But, again, we're not 100%. Right. So that's what we are. Hi, Ms. Corbia. Uh, this is Jada speaking. And I'm very interested with the me- like the medium world and the psychic world. So I wanted to know if you ever saw the Tyler Harry show, the Hollywood medium show, or the Long Island medium show on TLC. And if you see them, do you think they do a sound job with reading the clients? Okay. Uh, now, with, with Long Island medium, my darling, you have hit a hot button. Okay. She does what I call the drive-by psychic shooting. Oh, she walks up to you in the frozen pieces and she says, I have a message from your aunt or if you're baptized, go to die the car for these two weeks, you don't get a thing. Who the heck are you and get out of my frozen pieces? <laughs> <laughs> you know? When, pe- when people do that, their ego and their see I'm powerful trumps your privacy, your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, the true spiritualist will perhaps come to you and say, excuse me, but uh, my name is uh, Jenny Barnes, and I am the spiritual medium. I believe I have a message for you. May I deliver it? Mm. But then it's up to you, yes or no. Mm. Don't ever, I mean, because you don't know 
who this person is. Right. There was an example a week before I got married. Um, I, there was a very famous uh, Native American seer that I met for the first time. And he shook my hand and said, oh, stomach cancer in two years. You're going to have a terrible time getting rid of it. Wow. A week before my marriage. Now, it's never happened. Mm-hmm. I've had all the tests and I'm perfect. But his wife had just been uh, told she had a brain tumor. So he had cancer on the mind everywhere. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to do that. But it was, I am this great person, and therefore I'm a silly. No, you don't. Shut up. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons people are scared of psychics. They think that we have no boundaries, and yeah. we're just going to go marching into their heads. Yeah. No. No. That's one of the reasons that I want to ask that question, because, like, when she does her readings, it's like off of the fly. She just goes up to people like randomly in the grocery store and like reads them. It's like I just want to know from a different expert's opinion of like what you thought. I, I, I want, it's like when someone stands in front of me at a spiritual expo on my table and says, well, tell me something that you couldn't know about me and I'll have a reading. I look at them and smile and say, I'm sorry. I don't roll over and fetch either. And I turn my back and they don't get a reading. <laughs> You know, I love you, yes. That is funny. So, um, she may be a very good medium, Mm -hmm. but I I question her Mm -hmm. um, ethics. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the world thing. It's her ethics. Right, right. Corby, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people follow you if they want to get in contact with you for a reading? Oh, um, I'm very easy to find. Um, You go to my website, which is corbymidline.com. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Corby Midlife or Fire True Spirit. You can find me on Twitter at Corby Midlife. So, is that where we also you'll always see where it's going to be. Copy of my book is uh, on Amazon. That Clean Out Your Life Closet. And it's in paperback and Kindle and the audiobook, which I did. Um, and for the questions about psychic work, a new one is, has just come out called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. We're going to have to have you back on the talk. Yes. About that. Yes. Definitely. Would love to. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank really you. Yes. You're awesome. Thank you so much. That was awesome. It's a pleasure. Have, have a good evening. You too. Thank you too. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to come back with some hot topics, but we're going to take a quick break. Okay. All right. You listen to Let's Face It, we'll be right back. And now, a message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I was terrified. I was like, your head's going to explode. Migraine is a disabling disease. Just all of a sudden couldn't see. Migraine has ruined my life. Absolutely terrifying. There's pain that does not stop. It's a throbbing, pulsing, banging, hammering feeling in your head. 36 million Americans suffer. I started getting migraines around five years old. Just takes over everything. I feel trapped by a migraine. It hurts like my head's gonna like fall off. And the whole world around you stops. My world has gotten small. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. I had spent a year housebound. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming. 
but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like Sandy. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Battle is not won. Solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. Promises to one's community. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won.
So we have a few more hot topics to talk about. Tina Turner, I haven't seen her in a while. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Are you going to sing that? What's love Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Tina says that she has forgiven Ike for the years of abuse. She said, I wonder if I'm still holding on something. If I'm still holding something in. So she says she's forgiven her former husband, Ike Turner, for years of physical and emotional abuse. She says, as an old person, I have forgiven him. But it would not but it would not work with him, says Tina Turner, 78. Um, he asked for one more tour with me, and I said, no, absolutely not. Ike wasn't someone you could forgive and allow him back in. It's all gone, all forgotten. However, she does admit that sometimes thinking of Ike, who died in 2007, she said, I don't know what, what these dreams are about, she said. She said, the dreams are still there, not the violence, the anger. I wonder if I'm still holding on to something. So I want to know, how easy is it for you guys to forgive? Are you guys easy forgivers? Unfortunately, I am an easy forgiver. You are? And I think people, because people know that, and um, I have been talking to several of my friends about this because people know how to pull at my heartstrings. Um to, because I'm an emotional person, to to be forgiving or to get what it is that they want from me. Um, I definitely believe in uh, being forgiving because I like to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do forgive. Um, I'm an easy forgiver, but I'm not an easy trustful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I do believe that there's a difference. And you have to forgive. That's just what I do because you want to be forgiven. But I, I do believe it's it, it, it sometimes depends on the person. Mm-hmm. People, you know, people look like, oh, it depends on the person. You gotta forgive, but it's not easy for me to trust again. Mm-hmm. So that's. So you'll forgive, but you're not necessarily gonna forget it. I, I'm, it's it's gonna be hard to forget it, yeah. and I'll never know I'm out of that situation until it happens again. I can uh-huh. tell you I forgive you and things like that, but like with Tina Turner, until she put the situation together, until somebody raised their hand, mm-hmm. she'll know if she's healed from that situation right. or not. Now, now what I I think. And um, I'm going to just have to go back to the story of my, my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I watched my mom go through a lot of things with my dad, mm-hmm. a whole lot, you know. And, um, you know, I just admire my mom for all that she had endured, mm-hmm. you know, some of it because she had four children, but she endured a lot. Um, and it wasn't easy for her. But when my dad got sick and had prostate cancer, he put her through hell. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, and I think this is what Tina is probably why she's having those dreams, um, because even though she went through all of that, she still probably has love for Ike. You know what I'm saying? So when my mom, when my dad got sick with prostate cancer, and after all that this man has done to her, and some of the things that I have witnessed that he has done to her, she went to his aid and she took care of him, like that was her husband, cooked for him, did everything for him. Um, and then I saw them have a friendship, develop an uh, amazing friendship after all that he had put her through. Um, and I thought that that was just amazing. And I, you know, that resonated in my spirit. And I looked at my mom and was like, this is one amazing woman. And this is what love and forgiveness looks like. Even she endured all that pain. So that's why I'm a big um a big fanatic about forgiving and looking beyond that person because I think that really that's what God does for all of us. Mm-hmm. So who can say that 
he does it for us. He does, there's no limit, you know what I mean? Because he forgives all of us. So who are we to say that I'm not going to forgive you and then I'm going to say God is forgiving and we're supposed to emulate ourselves after him. So even though I don't go to church that often, but that's one thing that I really hold fast to. And after witnessing it and watching it, you know, um, I know that it can be done. And, you know, I just, you know, I just look at my mom in awe and like, this is really how we're supposed to be. You know, my mom's not perfect by any means, but, you know, the love and unconditional feelings that she has for people and the passion is just amazing to me. You know, and I, you know, and I try to really emulate that. You know, with Tina, um, what I would like to know is, did she forgive him before he passed? Did she, she said older. She said older. She, she said as an old woman. As an old woman. So, but she never got a chance to say to him, I forgive you. That's a. Why would she want to do that? Well, she tried to in the movie. That was a movie, though. That was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> why would you want? Why would you want to go someone? Was is that gonna help you? or Is that gonna help him? Well, forgiveness is always for you. It's never for the other person. So, what? If, just imagine how how would that help her? It does. It just frees her because you be able to look at your issue and look mm-hmm. at the man and say, you know what? I forgive you. That's a powerful thing, and he will never forget that the person that. Did whatever they did to you, it's going to be an awe when you go back and say. You have the strength to go back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And because they always, forgiveness is always for you and That's never for point. another person. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. And you've seen it, so you know it's done. You know, right. It's, it's, yeah, it's because when my dad was, I was at his house one day, and he was he was sick, he was dying. And he was, I'll never forget, he was sitting in the chair with his little trench coat, and he was just thinking about life and a lot of things. And he said, well, let me just tell you something. He never told my mother, but he told me that your mother was the best woman I ever had in my entire life. And um, I want you to know that she was a good wife. You know what I'm saying? And he know that he, he knew that he had messed it up. But for my dad to say that to me, uh, it meant a lot. You know what I mean? And I know that he was just thinking about so many things and how he treated my mother, you know, but she was there for him to take care of him in his last days. So, I mean, it meant meant a lot to him, you know, and I, you know, I um, just really, because I wasn't angry with him a lot of times, but the thing of it is, is that for him to say that, and I know he had a lot of regrets, you know, but, you know, you humbled yourself to say, hey, you know what, this this woman was amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, she was my wife, she had my children, I, I put her through a whole lot, she's here to support me. What does that say? Would it have meant more to you if he wasn't, like, at the end of life? Probably. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, when you end of life, you think about a yeah. lot of yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? It should have, would have, could have. Mm-hmm. It, it takes me back to, remember the movie Diary of a Mad Black Woman? Yes. Yeah. For 18 years, and even though he left her for another woman, and when he she got still shot, mm-hmm. she went back to his age, mm-hmm. and she took care of him. She still divorced him. Mm-hmm. And people were like, you thought they were going to get together. She still divorced him, but she took care of him. But she told him. That's, that's hard. Like, wait a minute. You, the woman spilled up you with all of your money that you didn't want to give me. See? But I'm still going to take care of you. That was forgiveness. That was forgiveness. But see, she, she, <laughs> she also told him that she loved him. Yeah. She still loved her husband. Yeah. But, you know, she just wasn't in love with him because of all the things that he had done to her. Because yeah. I always believe forgiveness is when you can still do something. People she, think, oh, I forgive you, but you don't want to be in the same room with them no more. Right. That's not really forgiveness. Forgiveness is what your mom 
just not going to deal with you. Is that really true forgiveness? Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Because right. if you forgive right. them, then you can be in the same room with them and do what you need to do. Because something is still bothering you, then mm-hmm. you can forgive them and they still I'm not going to allow you to hurt me again. Though. Right. Nobody said you had, you can be cordial, but you don't have to do Yeah, it. cordial, yeah. Yeah. But you said you can still be involved with them. No, I said you can still be in the same room. Oh, yeah, be in the same room, room. Yeah. yeah. I have seen people that, you know, but we, I mean, hi, how are you doing? That's it. they come inside the building, my whole atmosphere changed. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. I, oh, yeah, there's still something so there. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. if somebody will change your atmosphere, you're not you're able to forgive them. Right. I don't know if I totally agree with that either, though. Why? I'm just asking. I don't know how to verbalize it. Oh, okay. I mean, it could be somebody could hurt you that much that you you forgiven them enough that it doesn't bound, you're not bound by it anymore. But just the sight of you seeing, you still remember things. You still remember walking in and seeing right. what you saw. Right. Your body still shouldn't change. You don't forget. You're human. You don't forget things. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't forget. You don't forget, but still shouldn't. If they can build up some type of anger in you, you still haven't forgiven them. So you sh- I should get to a point where I walk in, I can see you, and I can see you in the bed with them, and I'm smiling? <laughs> because I'm not hurting you more? Is that what no. you're saying? I mean, if somebody did that to you, uh-huh. you know, you know what you say, you know what? I forgive you. Obviously, I wasn't the right person for you. Right. This is what you want. Okay, but if you happen to, say, be in a, a, at, at a park, mm-hmm. and this person walks in, and you look, you go away to the other side of the room, and you just don't want to deal with them. But the okay. That's not going to forgive me. I ain't say deal with them, but uh-huh. they don't have to change your inside. Right. They shouldn't have that effect on exactly. you. Exactly. They shouldn't okay. have that effect on you. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Well, it goes thing. right into the, from into the eye container. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about is fabulous with this, not mm-hmm. with his wife, his baby mother's teeth out of the mouth. Slam now, of course, that ain't the first time he probably hit her. We know that. But what I want to know is, why is everybody jumped on Chris Brown with Rihanna, but nobody's saying nothing about fabulous? I don't hear the big hype. It's both of them. Also, people. Trey Songs. Yeah, what's up with that? Trey Songs. That, that didn't really happen. It was I heard it. I, well, because they were talking about it on the Steve Harvey show. The girl was saying that there, but there's a lot of people that said it didn't happen. Bobby Valentino raped the girl. Yeah, that was it. Well, I don't know what this was. Army singers. Who knocked her teeth out? Y'all ran that man through the ringer. Look, I, I, it's both. They're both abuse. It's exactly. really, it's really bad. Both of them is really bad. I mean, but they can keep on bashing fabulous. I feel like even if they keep on bashing about the same topic. He's still not up to the same caliber as Chris Brown. And I feel that, I'm not going to say it's that much of a race issue, but Chris Brown was about to be the number one pop star in the country, not alone the entire world. So it would be easier for them to target somebody that big who was a man of color. It would be easier for them to target him that big from something like that. That's probably the reason why he's not getting a lot of backlash. I'm not saying it's right that he's not getting a lot of backlash, but that's why. It's because he was an hour era. Yeah. Plus era and we're not really phased with Fabulous. No I guess you can see it in that way too. And, and Chris Brown was the it person at the time. Brianna was the it, the it girl. Yeah. That Abuse is abuse. Abuse right. is abuse. At that time, Tina was really abused, and you know everybody was all up and wrongs on her. And I think also, like even with the abuse back then, it's so hard to even understand it because that's what people were taught. The women were taught back then. This is what you do. This is what men do. This is how they release their stuff. That's how come a lot of women never left. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have as much as us women do now. Yeah. You know, we educated. We yeah. all that. Back then, they didn't. 
they it husband, was a hush hush thing. Exactly. Their husband provided for them, and so they, they didn't leave. So I think it was a little uh, shocking for Tina to leave, and that's what made everybody like, wow, she left. This man gave her everything, took her out of Nutbush, Tennessee. She had a nice suit on when she left, too, didn't she? White. She, yeah, yeah, that was nice. And that bag. She was tearing him up in that limousine. Yeah. She had got tired of him. So that was it. That's all you got. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> then they walked in that hotel room, yeah. and they're like, y'all all right, you need some medical attention. And they're like, no. They went to the front desk. That's like, okay, we here, and blood and everything on them. Mm-hmm. 
Well, for me, that's if you're getting old. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, I feel like the best thing, the worst thing about me at this time right now is freedom. I feel like and now I get to actually do what I want to do. But then again, I don't have my parents on my back telling me, hey, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. So I feel like the best and the worst part about getting older, going, going towards being actually legal 21 is freedom. Okay. Ma'am. <laughs> starting to embrace my age because you know prior to me going to go see my therapist um cynthia cynthia toy chesapeake virginia um was i was just ashamed i think i was ashamed of my age mm-hmm. because i i gauge age to being where you should be in life yeah. and it never matched up for me for the dream that i had for my life other people thought i was going fine but i always imagined yes. at this age i was going to be at this point this age mm-hmm. i was going to be that point so i realized that those expectations I had set for myself were false expectations, and, and I, I have the power to change them. Um, so I'm embracing my age. I'm finding myself telling people my age more and more. How old are you? I'm 46. Okay. I'll be 47 next month. Okay, wait, um, party time. Mm-hmm. That's 46. Can I get an invite? I am yes. exactly I'll be sure. 15 years younger than Nikki. Nikki, why are you? Why are you with your punch? I don't know that. Huffing and puffing. No, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. You be great. She gonna be another mic. Sixteen years older than you. No, she's joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't even know how old she is. But um, we're probably close in age. I'm not fifty. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. You look so great. Thirty years. Yes. That's right. Um, the oldest thing is having a fiance who's twenty years younger than me, who people say are my is my son. And that's kind he doesn't of, look like it though. He looks well, like he's saying, no, your son's gonna have to drive you. <laughs> well, then we were out, and then somebody thought that Justin was my grandson. Uh, yes, I was so mad. I was like, "What? Do I look like somebody's grandmother?" And I was all deep in that too. I was hot. Yeah, well, that that, that's it. Yeah. That's wow. It. It's all good. They but, act like an old man, though. Yes. Old. Yes, he does. He like an old 70. man. Oh, no. He is so much older. I'm sure he is. He's already been in the game Saturday. He had all of them. He prayed. He's like, we're cutting us. Oh, Jesus. Live. He's hilarious. Well, he's good. But yes. I'm happy. I, I am going to start therapy. I, um, if I listened to y'all, I was a little like, mm, no, I'm not going to go. But I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know who I'm going to go to. Well, but I think it's uh, Stephanie. She is like, keeps it real, but she is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, giving me a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that I need. Coping. Yeah, coping. Yes, because I was trying to understand it. Like, by telling somebody something, what is that going to do for me? But I guess just getting out and she can give me a different perspective on things. So I just have to see how all that works. But I think at this time, so you trying, like you said, you found yourself trying to get the whole caprice and not just the pieces of who I think I should be and why did I accomplish all these degrees for what reason? And it was really for other people. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I think it is the stigma is going down because so many people go to therapy. The stigma is going and it's gone. It's going now. And I haven't even really found myself or really evolved. I mean, I'm evolving, but I'm still got a lot of work to do. But 
It was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Well, I, I think it is, Paula, because I've known you years ago, and Paula was mean as a junkyard dog. <laughs> We worked together. You, hey, Paula, was about business. She was about business. She was she was on her point. Mean as a you was mean as a junkyard dog. Okay, wait, what was I doing? I'm, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're listening to Let's Face Everybody. Make sure that you tune in next week. We only have I think three more shows this oh this season. Wow. Really okay. Last one out. Yeah. Party it up. Party it up. So you listen to Let's Face It. Join us next week. Until then, be blessed. Yes. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com and at Let's Face It Radio. Macy's Backstage has everything to help you get a fresh start, including active gear from brands you love. Reebok, Fila, K-Swiss, and more. Hurry in and find the best booties of the season, starting at $19.99. And pamper yourself. Bring the spa home with fragrant candles, aroma diffusers, even salt lamps, starting at just $5.99. Best of all, look for incredible markdowns in every department all month long. Macy's Backstage. Off price, on trend, arriving daily. Find your store at macysbackstage.com. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Help. My family's New Year's resolution is to be more active, but we could use some new styles for motivation. Run into Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now. All Old Navy active styles for the family are up to 50% off. Kick it into gear with leggings, mesh tees, and more. Up to 50% off? Ooh, I'm feeling motivated already. Tops started just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids, with compression leggings and active pants from $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Kids, get a move on. We're going to Old Navy. Hurry in for up to 50% off all Old Navy active right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-3 through 110. Excludes instructor clearance.